Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Wrestle Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience here at the Extreme Three-Way Dance. I'm JT, and joining me as always are my partners on this journey, Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? Um, good. Uh, we are we are not quite uh, barely legal, but we're getting there. Yeah, we're like uh, 16 maybe, going on 17. 16, 17, something like that, yeah. Okay. Well, it's better than barley legal, like it's spelled uh, all throughout my notes. Uh, yep, <laughs> this is true. Very true. So yeah, this is our go home show. Uh, two weeks from today, we will be covering the first ECW pay per view ever, barely legal, 1997. But tonight, we're going to cover four weeks of television heading into that big show. So that's a really exciting premise. Anything you guys want to talk about or cover before we dig into episode one? No, sir. No, I, I think we're extremely ready <laughs> to mm. be at the first pay per view. Okay, let's do it. March 18th, 1997 episode of ECW Television. We start with a huge brawl in the ring. A ton of wrestlers and officials. We settle down. We see Rob Van Dam and Chris Candido arguing. They start fighting. Sabu comes in and saves RVD. Tash shows up and they stare down. But before they can collide, RVD and Candido cut them both off and trigger another brawl. Uh, this is pretty well done to get us closer with them still not actually touching. So we're we're doing all we can to keep our, uh, Taz and Sabu apart. Mm-hmm. As that settles down, the ring clears. We are set for our actual match between Stevie Richards and Brian Lee. Raven starts to offer Richards an out of the match. Before it starts, the gangsters show up. New Jack is on the entrance set and dives off to a big pile of wrestlers <laughs> in the aisle. So that's pretty much our open. It's a little chaotic. Nothing really official. Uh, but it feels like they're throwing us right into this episode, Jenny. What do you think of how it starts? Uh, well, chaotic, you know, it's always good to start a show like that when you're, you know, you have a bunch of episodes to watch. <laughs> so, right. yeah, um, the little baby steps with Sa- uh, Tab- Taz and Sabu um, <laughs> mm-hmm. here is, is just sort of kind of more of the same. So it's right. I, I don't know. Are you ready for this match? Are you set for it? Uh, like, are you yeah. done? Is there anything else you'd yeah. want to see to get us? to this match or you if it was right now you'd be fine yeah i probably would be i mean (laughs) what else do they have that's what i've been like kind of curious about this whole uh time like 
when we found out we were going to get to Barely Legal and we're like, what are we going to do for two months? And we're going to find out. And I think it was a little bit disappointing, but I don't know. Uh, New Jack jumping off that uh, whatever the fuck was not disappointing, though. And Joey lost his mind, which is awesome. So fun start. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, great start to this episode. Uh, I'm I'm kind of in agreement with the whole Taz Sabu thing. Like they 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 kind of need to have the match ha- now because the story's already been told and has been told for the past mm-hmm. let's say oh like a month and a half or so. And now they're just they're just kind of waiting for the pay per view. But uh, yeah, as for the open, I thought it was great. Uh, New Jack jumping off of tall things will never not pop me. So uh, yeah, hot start to this show. This there was a lot happening with this small segment here. Yes. All right, let's get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest. He says, tonight we'll recap Hustle City Showdown 1997 and that this will be a can't-miss episode. Brings us to our opening match, which is Rob Van Dam taking on Tads. That's been building for a while, and it's a really good appetizer for Billy Legal coming quickly. A uh, really good pop for RVD. We get the usual buzz for Taz. Fonzie gives Taz a chair. He drops it in the ring and dares RVD to pick it up. RVD laughs but doesn't pick it up, so we get Taz controlling and grinding him immediately. RVD scrambles to work free. He uh, does break free. We get a flurry of switches and holes into an RVD spin kick. Taz bails out, and Van Dam flies into him with a wild plancha, slamming hard on the way down. Back inside, RVD hits a double underhook driver, follows with a rolling splash for two. Taz finally snatches Van Dam and sends him flying with a nasty release. German lands on his head. Taz kicks and slugs free, but RVD comes driving right back until Taz cuts him down with a knee. Taz counters with a comeback and twists into a tight STF, but RVD forces the break, gets a flash near fall, but then walks into a stiff T-bone from Taz. RVD counters a whip with a springboard leg lariat, grabs a chair, tosses a chair to Taz, who catches it, but it's a little blatant as he holds it up for the Van Daminator, but it still gets a big pop. RVD hits a split-legged moonsault on the chair, but he can't cover it away and only gets two. Taz baits RVD in and gets a Taz mission. RVD flails but can't break it, eventually gets dragged down to the mat and passes out to give Taz the win. I thought it was a pretty fun match. It was a real sprint. I uh, kept chugging and showed off all of Taz's skill set, plus a big clean win to prep him for Sabu. RVD showed up well here too, but Taz is too locked in and almost in God mode in the ring, really, uh, to beat at this point. So it was a clean, hard-fought battle, Matt. I went three stars, and I thought it was a really good way to get the show going. I'm right there with you. Uh, three stars for me. Super fun sprint. Uh, I finally realized uh, during this match, it took me this long. I finally realized who the referee looks like. Uh, he, he looks like Kramer's intern from Kramerica Industries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took me about a <laughs> year to figure that out. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of his name. It was driving yes. me crazy. But yeah, uh, yeah, just a super fun sprint. Uh I feel like RVD is kind of in a weird spot right now. Like it feels like he doesn't have a clear direction going into the pay-per-view and he's kind of growing into one of your bigger names on the card. So I don't know. I think he's kind of in a weird spot here and uh, credit to Taz for taking some of those moves from RVD. Cause you know, he's taken these big moves a month away from the biggest match of his career and RVD's just throwing the chairs at him and the, uh, the chair assisted split legged moonsault. Mm-hmm. I thought was, uh, you know, real dangerous for Taz. Like if Taz gets hurt, that could be a real problem going into barely legal so uh thank goodness he was okay but uh yeah super fun sprint for me so three stars jenny i'm with you guys three stars i had that same thought too like is taz like even crazier than normal like because because at first i was like i don't know this feels like a half step too slow then i was like well he's not gonna go balls to the wall with rvd while waiting on sabu probably um but then they kind of did towards the end, but I like that it was clean. 
Um, and RVD did look good. Um, Taz, he always looks good. I mean, but it, he's not the most graceful when he's not doing, let's say, suplexes all over the place. Mm-hmm. So some of that stuff um, with RVD, RVD maybe kind of looks a little bit more um, agile and, and, and Taz looks a little gassed towards the end. But I liked it a lot. Three stars. Yeah, I mean, it really was a sprint. So, yeah, he's yeah. he's definitely chugging along out there. He doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. All right, Joey's in the nasty. says, Terry Funk is ready to teach Brian Lee, or was ready to teach Brian Lee a lesson in Hostile City Showdown. That brings us to our match, which is Terry Funk taking on primetime bulldozer Brian Lee. We start as Lee smashing Funk with a trash can, just like last time. He's battering him over and over with it. Lee puts the trash can on Terry's head and batters him with a chair. We clip ahead to Funk wailing on Lee with the chair at ringside. He scales the ropes and it's a moonsault into Lee on the floor. Then we get rabid ECW chance, a great looking spot. We clip ahead again to Funk battering Lee with the trash can now. He keeps hitting his own head as he does it too. Clip ahead again. Funk puts the trash can on Lee, goes up top and it's a moonsault. We clip forward to Lee loading up a choke slam, but Funk counters and DDTs Lee on the trash can to beat him cleanly. Uh, we get a bloody funk celebrating. As Joey says, his story is inspirational. It's hard to hold back tears. Uh, th- this is pretty much all clips. But I thought it cooked along and carried nicely from their first match story-wise with the trash can. All the weapon stuff, of course, is there. It's funk. But it shows he's still in the game. He's not dead yet. And he gets a little payback on Lee along the way through his uh, you know, voyage to get the ECW title. So Jenny went two stars. We didn't get to see a ton of it, but I think I think we got the gist. Like I don't think we missed much <laughs> by only getting clips. I think we, we know what happened. Um, but I, I did like it as a playoff of their first match with uh, all the, you know, Lee beating the shit out of Funk with the trash can. It's like, what the fuck is this garbage brawl, uh, right? So, I don't know. I kind of was super into this for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, I did two and three two and three quarter stars. Uh, I thought I loved the trash can stuff. And even though it was kind of clipped up, you're right. I think we kind of saw the best parts of this. So, maybe right. that's why I did like it the best. Or not the best, but more than you, maybe. Um, but the chair stuff was vicious. And, and mm-hmm. um, the poor funk. Um, he looks half dead, but he does that moonsault to the floor, don't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah. what a madman. Uh, when he, he just fucking laid down all bloody right on the concrete while everybody chanted around him. Uh, so, I don't know. Terry Funk's insane, Matt. Yeah, I went two stars on it, too. It was, uh, it was fairly standard stuff uh, here. Uh, I, I like that the uh, the callback with the trash can, like the previous match, I thought that was good. Uh, the chair shots with the trash can on Funk's head were uh, were quite something. The moonsault was great. It's just, it, it was a very similar match, I feel like, to the first match they had with one another. So, I mean, I, I think I went two on that one, too. I can't really remember. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, fairly standard stuff. So, two stars for me on this. All right, we get a film noir style recap of Todd Gordon's announcement that the top three <laughs> contenders to Raven's title will face off barely legal. Later that night, the winner will face Raven for the gold. And the top contenders are in order Sandman, Stevie Richards, and Terry Funk. We thought that Funk slid up to number three because Dreamer stepped aside to let him achieve his dream. So, any thoughts on this uh, revelation and announcement, Matt? 
Yeah, it felt like uh, they were kind of going that way. I mean, certainly with Funk, I mean, it feels it feels like they're kind of driving home that it's going to be uh, Raven and Funk uh, at the pay-per-view, so it makes sense. And then Sandman and Stevie make sense, too, given the history. I mean, I could see an argument for Sandman not being in this match mm-hmm. just because the story's been well told right. at this point so it kind of feels like well if sandman wins we're going to go back to that well so that's the only thing but i mean for stevie and for funk to be in it makes complete sense to me jenny yep yeah you can't have a p- first pay-per-view without sandman either mm-hmm. um yeah i, I like stevie here too it's just, it's he's kind of earned that i think mm-hmm. um with his leadership at the BWO and his history with Raven. And he seems, I mean, he's, I don't want to say more serious, but he seems like more of a contender to me at this point. Well, I think the good thing is though, and Matt, even though you said like, you know, where the Sandman story is kind of done, there are stories built in for all three of these guys that make sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not like some random challengers in the mix. Right. I mean, Dreamer would have been maybe a little random, but not really, right? Because they've been feuding for a year. So right. they really had four guys that could have realistically been in this and all had a gripe with Raven, which just tells you how well the stories have been built around Raven's world title reign. Like him and Salmon have had a very personal feud for a long time. Funk, while maybe not as personal uh, directly with, Raven at this point still has the storyline baked in of his big comeback and March for the title as this crazy old man. And then of course, you know, Stevie being Raven's flunky for a year and breaking free and finally becoming a star of his own. Like that's a natural story too. So it made a lot of sense to have all three of these guys in this mix. And I like the I like the dreamer stepping aside part. That's cool too. Yeah, uh, for his mentor to get his final chance. So he's letting him take that slot. All right, we get clips of the Pitbull 1 Shane Douglas I Quit match from Hostile City Showdown. We cut to Pitbull 1 Powerbomb and Douglas through a table as the crowd rallies him. Pitbull 1 locks in a full Nelson, but Francine decks the timekeeper and takes the hammer away so the bell can't ring. Pitbull <laughs> 1 breaks and argues uh, as Fran tosses Douglas the hammer and he hits Pitbull 1 in the neck with it. Francine comes in and loosens the turnbuckles as Douglas hits a rude awakening. Douglas hooks to full Nelson, but Pitbull 1 won't quit. Shane hangs Pitbull 1 on the ropes and then drop kicks his head. Pitbull 2 comes out to rally his partner, but out come Chris Candido and Brian Lee. They attack. Francine tightens the ropes back up around Pitbull 1's neck, which is a really creative and different yeah, spot. Like, never that mm-hmm. at all. Francine berates Pitbull 1 as Candido and Lee keep smashing Pitbull 2 with a chair, and Pitbull 1 finally quits so he can save his partner. Pitbull 1 gets stretched out. Oh, this is a fantastic segment. It was a great payoff. Uh, Shane stays strong. Pitbull 1 goes down with honor to protect his friend. Uh, and again, that was a super creative spot that you never, ever see uh, something done. Or I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a sense either, honestly. Um, so that was a really cool um, piece of business, Jenny. I fucking loved that. I'm like, who came up with that shit? Like, what are some more ways we can destroy Gary Wolf's neck? Let me think. <laughs> Went full Eric Eels with a hammer. So um, this was awesome. Like... I was like, at first I was like, I don't know, are we still doing this? But then they kind of made it a little different. So, I don't know, Shane and Francine have that magic where they can just sort of take something that's been kind of lagging for a while and, I don't know, up the, up the ante again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you guys. I love this. Uh, the finish was incredible. I, just a, such a creative way to end this match. And uh, I loved it, how they're targeting the neck. They just keep targeting the neck of Pitbull 1. This poor bastard is going to be, like, uh, confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life if they keep doing stuff to his neck. Good Lord. Yeah, uh, I love that. I thought Francine was great during this, loosening the turnbuckles. At one point, she nails the ring announcer with the belt when Shane <laughs> quits. I just thought uh, she was great. Every Everything about this. This really was fantastic stuff. And this Except is, yeah, like, <laughs> well, yes, he's, he's in that awkward growing it out phase. Yeah, um, like, like Sam and Raven, this has obviously been cooking for a while, but this, this doesn't feel like there's, and, and Taz Tabu, but they've done a good job where like, it doesn't feel as much like maybe they're struggling to get mm-hmm. to the finish line. Um, that said, this felt like a blow off match. So it'll be curious to see if they try you know, if they're going to stretch this to barely legal, like, what's that going to look like? Because yeah. mm-hmm. this felt like, you know, it, you know what I mean? So, like, are we really, but if they don't do it at barely legal, like, what else is Shane going to do? Like, mm-hmm. right. he's been so embroiled in this, he hasn't really, so you, if you don't carry this till then, and you've come this far, so you may as well, but if you don't, it's going to feel like something microwave for Shane, who deserves more, you know what I mean? So, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Joey's in the nest. He's with the masked man. He says Easter will be very sad in the Gary Wolf house, but the rest of the world goes on and all roads lead to Pittsburgh. He sees a wicker basket with a rabbit shit on Shane's front steps and a France baskets or a pair of edible undies. The masked man blows a kiss to Francine. Joey says they're in Pittsburgh next week and Douglas and Francine come in and Shane calls him Rick Rude to tell, watch the ECW tapes to learn what Shane is about or some with the busted neck. Uh, has a big mouth. Shane has done damage to guys with bad necks, sending them to the hospital, watching them screwed together in pain. Shane says Rude is 50 pounds lighter and not half the band he used to be. He may have been tough and kicked ass, but it's 1997. He doesn't give a shit because he's the franchise. He has a tape in his hand from Japan that proves why Rude won't take off his mask and why he can't get in the ring anymore. And it's too bad it's not 1993 because Shane would be able to take him. That bad fall in Japan took away anything Rude had cherished, and now here he is in the, his house talking about taking his reputation. But you should think about what's going on at Wolf's, because it could go to, the same way to Rude's house. Francine asked Joey what the flavor of the underwear were, so I feel like it's been a while since we've seen a Shane promo like this, so it was uh, long overdue. I, I thought this was great. I love how he says, you know, for a guy who has three herniated discs in his neck, Root has a big fucking mouth. I thought that was a great <laughs> that was a great line. And then uh, him specializing in injuring necks was great, and that he has the tape that has Root's injury on it. I wonder if it really was on that tape. <laughs> I, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a it decent was. chance. Yeah. There's a decent chance that it was the actual tape, but yeah, I, I thought uh, Shane was fantastic here. Jenny. Gotta love a good Shane promo, don't ya? Um, also, why are we fixated on Easter? I guess just the time of year. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. yeah. Easter must have um, been early. Yeah. I was going to so. check, actually, right now. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I did, it was April 9th, actually, so yeah, coming up. It was coming up, but he was in his... Uh, Easter sweater, I guess. I don't know. That was pretty atrocious, but uh, rude. Or the mask man was. Um, Shane's great. Um, and Fran's uh, detail about asking about the flavor of underwear was awesome as well. <laughs> I just said Shane's great, and y'all just let me say it, and then that's fine. Oh, we're used to it now. That's it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shane that's I was solidified. expecting, yeah. All right, our next match is up, and then another one we're going to join in progress is the Eliminators are taking on the Dudley Boys 
We join in progress with Cronus hitting his handspring elbow on Bubba, tagging Saturn, who's the nice springboard dropkick, and then knocks Devon off the apron. The crowd is all in on the Eliminators here. Bubba gets taken out by a Frankensteiner, but then Devon comes in and gets wiped out as well. We clip ahead to a brawl on the floor as Cronus is now pouring blood. Bubba works on Saturn in the ring, and the Delis hit a nice tilt-to-whirl big splash combo for two. Devon hits a side suplex on a chair and then folds Saturn with a nice back suplex. They keep Cronus out of the ring with random shots as well. We cut ahead to Bubba kicking and punching Saturn around as he keeps trying to fight back. They end up in a big slugfest that ends with a Bubba bomb attempt, but Saturn lands on his feet, kicks Bubba in the head and walks into a sidewalk slam for two. Bubba chokes away, but Saturn blocks a cutter into a drop kick, and both men end up making tags. Cronus cleans house on both guys, and eventually Saturn's back as well. They work together through some stiff double-team offense. And uh, Gertner then gets in the ring and shadow boxes as his tits and guts are flopping all around. And Gertner announces the new champions uh, to booze and says they won 75-68, which is a great announcement <laughs> out of nowhere. Bubba hangs in and gets a diamond cutter on Cronus, but Saturn makes a save. Devon comes in and they hit the 3D on Saturn and end up winning the match and the titles. A huge moment in title change and a big time upset. Crowning moment to legitimize the Dudleys, legitimizes the 3D. Uh, we'll get to the post-match in a minute. But this actually caught me off guard. It went three and a quarter. Uh, a, on how good the match was. And B, uh, I didn't expect the Dudleys to win just yet. Like, I thought we were going to build them a little bit more as a team. And you can look at it and say they probably did this because I'm sure they wanted some type of potential big title change on the pay-per-view. Uh-huh. So maybe set up a rematch mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's probably why this happened. But in the meantime, as part of it, they end up legitimizing the Dudleys. And I thought they looked really strong here, especially their finisher becoming pretty lethal. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with all of that. And uh, when it, the match was really good, especially Saturn, Jesus, that spring springboard sidekick, whatever the fuck he did, he just floated like he's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and look, the bubble cutter is the all right move. Um, I, I don't know. I, it does legitimize it, but look, it's not that badass. Am I wrong? Is it great? I don't know. The diamond? I, I mean, the uh, 3D? Well, not, just not the way he does it. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sold on it but for sure, but... Yeah, I, I think it looks great. I think it's a cool movie. Because like an RKO or whatever else, like they, they really can hit it out of, you know, or the diamond cutter at the time, which DDP was using, mm-hmm. um, really can hit it out of anywhere at any time. So I think it's... Uh, Maybe I think it's, it's just the Dudleys doing it thing that I don't enjoy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as soon as they lost, I was like, okay, that's why they lost, right? So that we can get the titles back, hopefully, at Barely Legal. So I, I didn't super love that part of it just because I don't like it when Saturn mm-hmm. loses. But um, I did three stars because it was a really good match. Um, Maddie. So I'm at two and three quarter on this. I I enjoyed this quite a bit, too. Uh, Cronus needed to see a doctor immediately after this match. Good Lord, he was cut open like that Mm -hmm. was that's one of the goriest blade jobs I've seen in a long time. It was like his face was just red. Mm -hmm. It was unreal. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, 
Uh, like you guys, I thought it was interesting that Team 3D won the tag titles this early. But like like you guys have said, it kind of makes sense that they're probably Team 3D. Gonna... Too much highway to the impact zone. It is, you, uh, you know, you know. It re- I don't even know that I'm saying it. The Dudleys, uh, my mistake. I do apologize. One thousand pardons, Team. Th- Good God! It actually says Team 3D in my notes, so that tells you everything you need to know. The Dudleys uh, won, so I, I thought that was, uh, you know, we're probably going to get a rematch at the pay-per-view which makes sense uh did i hear the ring announcer say that the full this full match went 24 minutes i thought i heard the ring announcer say that uh, at at the end bell which is probably too long but uh, i don't know what we saw was pretty good so yeah uh, two and three quarter for the eliminators versus the dudleys (laughs) yeah it was a long match for sure um but that's it. We have no champions. Joel Gurner's in the alley with the Dudleys. He tells Julio to put the brick down. Bubba plays taps on harmonica, and Devon says the Eliminators' reign is dead and buried. All hail the new champions, the best team in the world, the Dudley Boys. Any quick thoughts on Gertner's promo, or if you want to keep moving on here? I did like Gertner yelling at uh, Julio to put that brick down. I thought that was funny. <laughs> it's like a Gene, classic Gene type thing. <laughs> All right, uh, Joey's in the nest. He says, Balls Mahoney had a run-in with a hardcore icon, the Sandman. And he's going to uh, get a, uh, sit back and get his uh, let his actions speak. We cut to Sandman caning the shit out of Balls, who doesn't back down. He keeps getting up, taking more, even after getting busted open. We clip to a completely covered in blood balls, mashing Sandman with a chair, just disgusting stuff. All sorts of big headshots. And then we cut to Sandman hitting a top, loop, top rope leg drop for the win. Uh, Jenny, any thoughts on, on that fiasco? Uh, uh, bloody mess. <laughs> well, balls was fucking bloody for sure. <laughs> it was awesome. I don't know. I, I liked it. I didn't rate it or anything, but um, I, I, I'm just kind of always going to be there for shit like this because it's bloody and gross and I like Sandman, Matt. Yeah, to me, it almost I didn't rate it either. I mean, we saw like maybe two minutes of the entire thing. But to me, from what we saw, it almost felt like they were kind of trying to legitimize balls being able to go toe to toe with Sandman, which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they want to have balls be a guy who's around for a long time, what better way to have him uh, to make him to legitimize him than having him go toe to toe with Sandman. So, yeah, I thought it was good stuff. Okay. All right. We get a hype package. You're barely legal. We then get Joey in the nest. He's getting jacked about the pay-per-view. Recaps what we've seen tonight and brings us to our main event as we have Spike Dudley taking on Sabu. A very interesting match here. Okay. The crowd is all about Sabu. He's got peach and black pants, which Joey mm. calls orange. Not not quite, but I thought it was a cool touch. You're obviously trying to make it like he was, you know, busting on Taz, but not quite. Taz is orange here. Someone screwed that up. Sabu works Spike on the mat, hammers away, very aggressive, all movement and assault, gets a two on a top rope leg drop. Joey says Spike demanded this match after Sabu put him through a table in Trenton, which led to Spike getting 28 stitches in his lip. This seems like a lot for your lip, but it's a mm-hmm. like the whole lip. Sabu He's a tiny pouring... man, too. <laughs> it is. is. Why does he leave that many? Sabu keeps pouring it on, but Spike keeps kicking out. Sabu cranks the chin lock, puts Spike on the top rope, but Spike shoves it down at the top rope. Her Karana. Sabu bails out, and Spike flies into a somersault senton into the railing. Back inside, Spike is all over Sabu with a flurry. It's a swinging bulldog for two. Spike misses a charge to the corner. Sabu decks him down, hits a springboard leg drop for two. Sabu gets a T-bone and mocks Taz's stance and hooks a Taz mission 
for the win. That was a fine match. The crowd was pretty lit. Spike brought it. Sabu went next level. Great offense. Also, mocking Taz's offense was good, too. Nice balance to Taz getting the win earlier. So kind of bookending this show with those two guys getting wins. So I went two and a half stars on the match. Matt, what do you think of the match? We'll get to the post-match in a moment. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I went two and a half stars on this match, too. I, I thought the finish was great with uh, Sabu just doing a gigantic fuck you to Taz and <laughs> mocking mocking him at the end and making him tap to the Taz mission. I, I thought that was fantastic. And I like the pace they kept. It's a fairly quick match, but I, I think they kept things moving. So, yeah, uh, not too many complaints here. So just a, a good, solid standard match. So two and a half for me. Boy, Spike really got fucked up um but you know i i really liked it sabu all the attitude he doesn't have to fuck with taz in any other way except for in matches like this <laughs> you know it's just it's just fun to watch him do that shit um i love the mocking of taz of course and so i rated it a little bit higher than you guys because i included the post-match stuff and with my rating so i'm at three okay well, that post-match is Sabu getting a mic and actually talks. He calls out Taz. Fonzie comes out and says they've been calling Sabu for a year, calls him a piece of shit, and then slaps him. Sabu decks Fonzie and hammers away, puts him on a table, and it's a triple jump leg drop through him and a great-looking bump. Taz comes out and takes Sabu down, triggers another big pull-apart brawl in the whole locker room. The crowd's been insane all night, and we close out on a big pop. So we kind of, again, bookend the show with Sabu and Taz winning matches and also with them brawling. And being pulled apart. So I was a great episode, honestly. Um, one of the better ones we've probably seen in a bit here. Kind of harken back to some of the older episodes of like the 95, early 96 mm -hmm. stretch. Uh, let's get to our awards, though. We'll see how it all shook out. Uh, the best match for me was the tag title change. I went with the Eliminators and the Dudleys. Uh, I had, I had um, RVD and Taz is the same. Um, rating, but I'm going to go with Limbs as well. Yeah, I had uh, RVD Taz for best match. Uh, okay, uh, worst match, I went Funk and Lee. I mean, again, it was still pretty good. It just shows you that mm -hmm. where we're at mm -hmm. at this point. So, Yeah, yep. by default. Same. Yep. Right. But best moment, I went the Dudley's win. Mm -hmm. Um, no, it's going to be when Fonzie went through the table. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's yeah, going to that. be the best mo a moment I've been waiting for for a year. <laughs> it was extremely good. Uh, most 90s, I went with Shane holding up the Japanese wrestling VHS tape. Yep, <laughs> yep, definitely. The that's, tape. The, that's the one. Uh, stock rising, I got Taz, I got Funk, I got Douglas, and the Dudleys all had big nights. Mm, yeah, I would add. I would add balls to that for going toe to toe with Sandman. That's true. Maybe Spike too. Balls are up. <laughs> uh, balls stock are falling. <laughs> I went Pitbull one, who just had a real rough night, and uh, <laughs> Fonzie went through that table. Yeah, fuck yeah. the Fonzie. Yeah. All right. Uh, and like I previewed, I mean, I, that was a really great episode. I went eight and a half out of ten. It was like nonstop action. Uh, everything built toward barely legal. The pull apart brawls with Taz and Sabu were great. The Fonzie stuff, the Dudley's title win, the, the Douglas promo. There's like no waste of time at all. The only thing we were missing was like a real classic match um, to put this over the top. But it was a real strong stretch of wrestling, uh, televised wrestling. 
completely agree. I can't believe you gave it more than me because I'm at eight out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I, I gave it an eight to a, a a lot happened on this fucking episode. So Holy shit. Yeah, it was it was loaded. Um, I guess this is what happens when we don't get the show. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, here, right. like, we, there's probably were you know other ones like this that we just discounted a little bit more because we had already seen all of the big action. But uh, but this does feel a little extra amped up because it's mm-hmm. barely legal. So, all right, let's go ahead. A week, March 25th, 1997. Francine and Shane Douglas are in the locker room mocking Pitbull One. We get clips of the end of the I Quit match with Francine saying I quit over and over. The pit bulls and the masked man are in the back. And even with all the neck injuries and attacks, they're not stopping. They're not playing dead. The masked man says only one rolling over. The only one rolling over is going to be Francine, and she won't play dead. And says the only question is if Francine will go with Shane or come with me, and then blows a kiss. Uh, Jenny, what did you think of the open with the masked man, the pit bulls, et cetera, et cetera? It was very sexy. I liegt it. Mm. Um, Rude's got got a boner for Francine. I think you guys sure does. Shocking. <laughs> Who can blame the guy, right? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, great stuff here. Uh, I, I love the line <laughs> with uh, saying the only one who's going to roll over is Francine. And I think <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I don't think cum was spelled C O M E. There you go. Mm. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there. Not in I my notes. Was, not. No, mine either. <laughs> Doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. All right, we got our opening animation. The Joey Styles in the nest says we're getting closer to Bailey Legal, just around two weeks away. Runs down the card. We get Shane Douglas versus Pitbull 2 now for the TV title. The masked man will be in Pitbull 2's corner. And if Pitbull 2 loses, he will. the masked man will have to remove his mask. So that match has been added. We talked about that a few minutes ago when they stretch it out, and they sure do. We also have Raven taking on the winner of Stevie Richard versus Terry Funk versus Sandman. We're going to have a six-man match featuring the stars of Michinoku Pro Wrestling from Japan. Joey Styles reminds us that Taka, Michinoku, Dick Togo, and Men's Teo are now international members of the Blue World Order. Uh, of course, playing off the NWO having international members from Japan. Uh, the Dudley Boys will take on the Elmeters in a rematch of the tag team titles and Taz versus Sabu. So... Uh, I feel like this card is shaped up pretty well, Jenny. What do you think? Are you excited more as this more and more got revealed or kind of the matches you'd expected? Yeah. Like, I feel like I've already known all this. Like, is this new hmm. information? I don't know. Uh, I, well, I'm, just too, I'm too now. into it. I'm into it. I'm too deep now <laughs> for these announcements. <laughs> like, obviously, these are the matches. Um, but I love Joey. It's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks like a great show on paper. I, I will say uh, Shane and Pitbull 2 again. I mean, uh, I, I guess I, I I get that they're trying to spice it up a little bit by doing the Masked Man stuff, but I don't know. We've seen it, what, like three, four times at this point. I, I feel like it should really be Shane and Pitbull 1 at Barely Legal, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, why not just do the match you had at Hostile City Showdown at Barely Legal? Yeah, but we'll yeah. See. I agree. Agreed. Uh, all right, let's roll on. Joey then talks about Terry Funk's journey to the ECW title. He has a chance to reach his dream at Barely Legal. On April 12th, though, the night before, at the Philadelphia Hilton at 6 p.m., there'll be a lifetime achievement banquet, and maybe he could even be a retirement banquet if he loses <laughs> that match the next day. Joey says it'll be a classy evening. It includes dinner, a meet-and-greet, photo opportunities, and a special surprise. $50 per person or just $25 if you're a pay-per-view ringside ticket holder. I think it's a pretty good deal, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I know, like, prices are different, you know, different back then, but if you bought the ringside ticket... 
and you get this banquet with Funk, and you get to do photo ops and everything for 25 bucks. Like, that, that's a pretty good deal. Dinner. I'd do it. There, There's no way that banquet didn't turn into complete chaos at some point, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, like, I'm sure they did it up. You know, it wasn't just something lame or lazy. So, um, yeah. Anyway, good deal. How many All right, next match. Yeah. Uh, banquets do you think Funk <laughs> has attended over the years? Jeez. Attended or had in his honor? Right. Uh, yeah. Both. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Like, I mean, there's at least like two this year alone in 97. Yeah. Right. So, right. There's another one. Like, <laughs> as documented on a documentary. <laughs> All right. We have our next match. Speaking of Terry Funky, Ambles out to take on Axel Rotten. Another warm-up match. Joey reminds us Tommy Dreamer has given up his number one contenders or number three contender slot. So his mentor could try to achieve his dream. We're in some sort of tiny building here. We have paneled wood stands. Axel attacks at the bell, but Funk hammers back. Funk keeps peppering away, snaps off a neck breaker for two. Axel goes low and knocks Funk outside and then follows out, lays in a clothesline and a heavy chair shot to the head. Axel dumps Funk into the fans and keeps hammering away. We clip ahead and they're battling on the stage. Funk smashes Axel with a bottle of Windex, which busts open into all of <laughs> Axel's cuts, which is nasty. Ugh. We clip ahead and Axel's mowing through Funk in the ring. Clip again and Funk goes to a spinning toehold. Axel counters into a small package. Funk pops up and hits a DDT for the win. Fine, just another basic Funk match. We're building momentum. He can battle. Axel's Axel at this point. Matt, I went a star and three quarters. Like, I thought this was just kind of there. Yeah, the this was, right. This was a fine house show uh, match here. I went a star and a half on it. And yeah, the the Windex spot was certainly the highlight of this thing. I, I don't want to know what that feels like getting in a cut. So yes. that, that probably that probably hurt like hell. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, it was a fairly standard house show uh, match. So I went a star and a half, Jenny. I'm with you guys. A star and a half for me. Um, fun to see. I like Axel. Well, you know, y'all know I do. Um, but pretty basic. Um, I like the venue. It looks like a piece mm. of shit. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> wolf, and it's definitely a piece of shit. I mean, it looks like when we had WCF in my basement back at the day. Much with the paneling, <laughs> tiny room. It has All right, the Dudley boys. It did. It did. The Dudley boys come out, they attack Funk, but he fights them off until Lee joins in and they all batter him. Sandman and Dreamer show up and clean house to make the save. All six of them brawl until Funk nails Sandman by accident. Sandman gets at his face, but Dreamer keeps the cool. As they bicker, the Dudleys and Lee attack again until the Eliminators make the save, taking all three guys out. And we see Raven standing in the back of the arena as the segment ends. So that's pretty good, Jen. I think we're just trying to add heat to this mm-hmm. three-way at Barely Legal. So adding a little extra, you know, just you whatever they the can. Five. Look, whatever yeah. they can try to do is mm-hmm. good, good, I guess. <laughs> we need something. I don't know. I'm yeah, well, they're not being lazy with it, right? Like, they're trying to give right. Sandman and Funk a little extra heat, a little hate. I mean, they're already going at it. Like, they both want this title shot, so there's not too much to be afraid of. But yeah. you know that they're giving a little extra to it to make it feel yeah. like everyone's on edge here. Right. I mean, they're definitely giving it the college, the old college try to try and heat it up a little bit. Like, I liked Funk nailing Sandman with a punch accidentally. I thought that was really good. And uh, speaking of college, I enjoyed uh, Raven standing at the top of this lecture hall where this fucking show was happening. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a I thought that was a cool visual. So, I mean, it was it was a, a fairly basic segment, like fairly standard house show stuff, but I thought it was well done for what it was. Raven giving theology lessons in this uh, giant classroom. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Terry Funk is backstage, does a Ric Flair-style rant, pumping himself up. Says it took a long time to remember it, but Raven's here now calling him an old fool. And that he loves to think about reality, which is that he wants to be ECW champion. He wants the fans to stand and say they did it their way. He has a three-way dance to get through first, the biggest match in Sandman and Stevie's life. And he's going to go in with his best and take things one step at a time. He hopes God is behind him. He's got some luck on his side. And if he can walk in and walk out as a winner, he'll get Raven in the ring. He knows it'll be a sure thing then. Bet money in the Funker on April 13th. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on this promo? Pretty straightforward from, from the Funker. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think it was his best, to be honest with you. I, I feel like there, were, there was a point in the middle there where I think he kind of got lost. Like, you could kind of see him looking off to the side from the camera, kind of like almost like he was looking at a cue card trying to figure out what to say next. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen it, – it's not the worst promo by any stretch, but we've seen better out of him for sure. I think he says, I hope God will be behind me in the three-way. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes. that about there's that. A, there's a visual. Talk about calling your spots. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a little bit on the um, ranty, like, old man with fist at cloud uh, towards the end there. But still funk. Kind of where's that? Are we going to BWO music package setting up Stevie for barely legal? We then get Joey in the nest talking about that big world title situation. We get clips from last week's Sandman balls Mahoney war. And then we're set for a rematch between the two Sandman versus balls Mahoney. We're back in greater Boston in Revere. As Saturday, <laughs> uh, Sandman stomps out to a ruckus crowd in his final weeks before this triple threat ball stands stoically. And then we clip ahead balls is unloading. Uh, some heavy chair shots on Sandman. We clip again. Sandman's just mashing balls with a chair. Bunch of cane shots as the crowd is rabid. We clip again, and both guys are bleeding. They're trading blows by the snack bar. Joey says not to settle for cheap invitations, which is a great dig at the WF. As we clip back to the ring, where Balls gets a power slam, heads up top, misses a leg drop, and lands on the chair. And Sandman rolls him up, says not Balls, and takes the win. Uh, not much here, just a bunch of weapon shots. Sandman wins. Doesn't look super strong coming out of this, though. He did more survived. But like you said, Matt, like they're kind of establishing balls and building balls mm-hmm. up uh, as he rises up the ladder here. So this makes him look a little bit stronger, which may be a bit counterproductive given where mm-hmm. we're at, but fine. So I want to star and a half for the uh, fans here in their Revere Greyhound Pock. <sighs> I'm going to say it every time we see a show in this fucking building. This looks like an. <laughs> awful place to watch a wrestling show like it just <laughs> just the worst like it it makes uh fet music hall look like madison square garden <laughs> in comparison like it, it, it's it, there's pillars everywhere there's like no there's people sitting in the the uh, betting booths it's just it looks like such an awful place to see a wrestling show i can't wait but, to see uh, cowboy senior walk by with like <laughs> 16-year-old cowboy behind him, dragging him right. with a trifecta card in his hand. Right. The beer. <laughs> I got $400 on <laughs> it goes with Harry or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, mat- the match was uh, very similar to the last one we talked about, and uh, my notes are pretty uh, similar as well. I mean, it- it's good that they're giving balls a rub, but like you said, it, fe- it does feel maybe a little counterproductive given where Sandman is going to be at the pay-per-view. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Every time I- you get balls a rub, is a positive. <laughs> uh, abs- absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> star and a half for me on this, Jenny. Always like to rub balls, you know. Uh-huh. Um. I like this. I just do. I don't know. It's my jam. A shit little arena, or not an arena, like, you know, room, basically. Um, 
and lots of blood and caning and violence and there just Sandman goes into the railing at one point people everywhere it reminds me of it reminds me of uncensored uncensored 95 a little bit um so i gave it two stars joey talks up Sandman's chances of barely legal 97 we can get clips of the Dudleys and Eliminators from last week. The Eliminators are backstage. Saturn says, people say there's nothing like the first time. On the first day of school, they showed up in hand-me-downs and got laughed as Paul well, poor welfare brats. They turned down the in-crowd, got laughed after going to karate class. Their parents even laughed at them about wanting to be wrestlers. But they remember March 15th, the first time they faced the Dudleys, and the Dudleys are better than the Eliminators. And Joel Gurner stood and laughed, but on April 13th, the laughing ends. I thought it was a great promo, Johnny. Fantastic work by Saturn. Love it. Yes, this is what I wanted to see. Some shit talking by Saturn. They're fired up. They want their fucking belts back. Give me more, Matt. Yeah, I I really like this, too. I, I loved how Saturn said the laughing ends are barely legal. And even uh, Cronus, who normally is uh, jovial and insane, even he was serious for maybe the mm-hmm. first time ever, which I thought was a great touch. So, uh, yeah, great segment here. Have you guys noticed that Cronus looks almost exactly like Tommy Dreamer in the face? Yeah, yeah, they do. And Brian Lee. It's like Dreamer and Lee yeah. combined. Yeah. Well, that's all I'll be able to see now. I don't know their all twins. Right. It's weird. <laughs> well, give me more as we head to now Webster, Mass, at the infamous Webster Town Hall, Matt Souza, mm-hmm. where we were mm-hmm. just months ago. Mm-hmm. And we get a very special treat exclusive to ECW TV. We're hyping Bare Legal 97 with a match we're actually going to see on that pay-per-view. Uh, but we're going to get it here tonight as well as the international... Uh, BWO contingent of Taka Michinoko, Terry Boy, Menteo, and uh, Dick Togo take on Great Sasuke, Gran Hamada, and Gran Naniwa, all from Michinoko Pro Wrestling in Japan. We clip in with Suke. Uh, we go back for that. We'll come Sasuke. Uh, Landon kicks to Taka. Hamada comes in, chucks Taka with a slam, cranks a chin lock as Joey talks up his resume. Naniwa tags in. He grinds Taka as well. Taka turns a tide. Terry Boy and Togo come in, hit a flurry of strikes on Naniwa. Togo remains and uses his power to battle Naniwa with slams and heavy strikes. Terry comes in, keeps the pressure on. Naniwa works free, tags in Sasuke, who gets two on a suplex for Taka. Sasuke goes to the chin lock as Joey talks him up as being the best junior wrestler in the world. Sasuke goes to a cross arm breaker into a head scissors, but Taka kicks free. Taka slaps Sasuke hard in the face and chest, but charges and gets backdropped to the floor. We reset with Togo and Hamada as they trade off some stiff strikes into a Togo and Zaguri, but Hamada counters a powerbomb into an arm drag. Togo bails out. Hamada bangs into him with a Pescada. We reset with Taka Daniwa, who would control the action. Daniwa slams Taka down and walks the middle rope and hits an elbow for two. Terry Boy tags in, but Sasuke uh, is in as well and takes over with strikes. They fly around some more until Sasuke gets a cross body for two. The pace here is just nonstop action. Hamada comes in, grabs a Fujiwara armbar, but Taka breaks it up. They try and double team. Taka cracks Terry Boy by accident. Hamada gets a tilted world side slam for two. Lands a brutal clothesline across Taka's chest. Naniwa comes in, hits a big clothesline for two, but Togo tags in and loads chops. Naniwa comes in with a tilted world backbreaker, but Terry Boy makes a save. We reset with Sasuke and Terry, but Taka attacks her behind. They double up Sasuke and batter him. Sasuke gets mauled by all three guys against the ropes, hard kicks and clubs. Togo tries to rip his mask off, but he can't. Sasuke bites down. Taka slams Sasuke, and Terry hooks the Campbell clutch as Togo dropkicks him in the face. Just a great beating. They tie up Sasuke and do a great three-man pose on his body, which pisses off Joey. Sasuke bails out. Uh, bails out. 
Hamada comes in, but Taka and Togo hit him with a stuffed pile driver for two. They try to amass Naniwa now, but he hangs on. The strikes continue. We get some near falls, but Aniwa keeps holding on. Lots of quick triple teams and hard bumps. We get a stiff German, the full Nelson slam. Taka comes in and hits a great brain buster for two, but Sasuke saves. Taka gets a German. Hamada comes in and knifes through Taka with suplexes. Sasuke comes in and doubles up with Hamada, twists Taka to a single leg crab, the hot pace continuing. Terry Boy lands a hard kick to Sasuke, mares him over, works a spinning toe hold. As Joey says, he's Terry Funk's biggest fan. That's the reason for his name. Terry gets a DDT. We get a triple powerbomb on Sasuke, but Hamada saves. All three work over to Niwa, but he escapes and tags Sasuke, who gets a moonsault press onto Taka and Terry for two. Sasuke knocks Taka outside of the handspring elbow, meets him with a big acai moonsault into the stage. Hamada hits a swinging DDT on Togo. Back in the ring, follows a top rope Rana for two. Terry makes a save. Terry gets a belly-to-back suplex for two, hits a hard forearm and back elbow. Naniwa gets an airplane doctor bomb for two, but Sasuke's back gets a moonsault press on Taka. Taka and Sasuke trade control until Taka gets an overhead belly-to-belly throw. Hits a Michinoku driver. Taka gets a springboard dive, but Sasuke drop kicks him in the ribs on the way down. Sasuke tries to powerbomb, but Terry saves. Hamada slips in and clotheslines Terry, but Terry gets an inverted atomic drop off the top rope. Taka gets caught on top by Naniwa, but Togo comes over and puts him on his shoulder. Taka flies out of the ring into Sasuke as Terry has a doomsday device on Naniwa for two. Terry then powerbombs Naniwa, and Togo finishes him with his top rope senton. Of course, this is amazing, mind-blowing stuff in this tiny fucking town hall building mm-hmm. in Western Massachusetts in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you saw this on TV, uh, I thought it was a great way to, I thought it was a great idea to, to preview it, even though we're going to see it anyway. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that are going to see this before the pay-per-view is very small. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the number of people in Webster and the people that get this TV. So like, you're still going to get the big exposure on pay-per-view. It's not the biggest deal. They're not giving anything away. Uh, it was next level at the time. No one else was rolling this on TV. ECW continues to innovate completely and be fresh. Uh, you know, just all new stuff that you're not seeing anywhere else. So that said, I think my grade may feel a little bit low mm-hmm. uh, because I do think there's parts that didn't hold up. The the flow, I think there was a lack of threading. You know how I feel about exhibition style matches. At mm-hmm. times to me, this felt that way. Um, you know, waiting for maybe more of a... Uh, more heat or more hate. Like we got a little bit of it, but a lot of it felt like let's just go out and impress people and maybe try and get jobs. Like that's what it felt mm-hmm. like at times to me. Um, but that said, I could only imagine what this meant at the time. I know it took the wrestling world by storm. Like you heard about it. It was a story. Um, it would eventually get certain guys jobs on a bigger stage as well later in the year. So there's a lot going on in this altogether, Jenny. I went three and three quarters. Yeah, that's a little low. Um, this was shocking, shocking to me because, and and that was a five star um, breakdown, play by play of that. Also, very well mm-hmm. done because it was very difficult. I stopped taking notes halfway through. I'm like, I'm not. Yep. That's not happening for me. Good luck, Justin. But <laughs> also because I just got so sucked into this. Joey was brilliant. Um, number one telling me who everyone was because I didn't know who anybody was and he made them all stand out like he made sure that he named who was doing what so I knew what was going on who was on what team and it was extremely helpful to me I thought he was excellent um but then the wrestlers just drew me in like it was it was fascinating it's wonderful like I I don't have much experience watching this this type of stuff and it is sort of 
exhibition-y, but I don't know. And in, in this weird, still s storytelling way um, that I just thought was hypnotic, like the moves, I mean, you named them all and they're awesome. And, and the pace was breakneck um, and it was thoroughly entertaining on pretty much every level. Uh, the crowd was stunned. This poor little Webster people did not know what they were watching, but I think like me by the end, they were like, what the actual fuck? That was amazing. So the whole gradual warming of the crowd and like the winning over and just watching them do their thing. It was, I thought it was excellent. And I went four stars. I'm right there with you, Jenny. I went four stars, four stars on this too. The the pace is the it was the biggest thing to me. Just how they're able to just keep going for 15, 20 minutes. It's and not really take any breaks. It's insane. They just yep. keep fucking going. Uh, the double T moves, the triple T moves by both sides were great. It's all back and forth action. Neither team really had control for any long period of time. It was just all back and forth. Uh, the triple power bomb to Sasuke was great. Uh, the springboard moonsault to the floor where he crashes into the stage was rough like there wasn't a lot of room on that side of the stage and he still hit he still hit the stage and he didn't give a shit uh, i thought it was fantastic uh like you said jenny i thought joey too was uh was fantastic on this and he must have been exhausted after calling he had to because i mean it's just him and he's calling everything he, he has nobody to bounce anything off of and it's he's just fantastic and like you i made the same point as you about the crowd uh, at first the crowd was a little hesitant as to what they were seeing here but by the end they were standing and applauding and it was really cool to see so and i like uh you said uh jt you weren't seeing this stuff anywhere really on american television the cruiserweights you know in wcw may have been doing some of this but not at the pace that these guys were doing so yeah just a great match great preview of what's coming at the pay-per-view so four stars for me yeah, and you guys nailed it, too. It was one thing I didn't really mention was just how good Joey was in this, just crushing everything, uh, which really helps get them over. shows that he was prepared. And I think he and kind of they were. enjoyed that challenge, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. because sometimes you can kind of tell when Joey gets in the zone. And I think he kind of really enjoyed it. Well, I, yeah, I mean, there's always this part of him, right, that wants to prove he's the best mm -hmm. announcer in the in play by play mm -hmm. announcer in the world. Right. It's like. You know, just because it's small time and they may have limited TV doesn't mean he's not right. better than anything else out there. And I think he takes pride in that. And he knows that really no other announcer besides maybe Mike today could have called this match <laughs> at this point in time. For sure. I'm not being facetious. Right. No, I, I mean, I think he's probably the only one that would have had a chance. Like, yeah. I, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Jr. you know, he's close to his prime still here, but maybe, maybe he could have, maybe he could have. But I don't think he could Unlikely. Yeah. I, I think right. Joey's the only one at this point that could have done this so and he proves it he goes out and does it so anyway awesome stuff we'll see more of it next week at barely legal joey's in the nest he says it's time to learn about a new member of the full-blooded italians and before we find that out since they're here it means it's time for our italian lesson of the week All right, we're going to keep this one quick. Faccia a culo. Faccia a culo. Faccia a culo. Faccia a culo. 
means ass face. <laughs> wow. You know, these are getting very hurtful in these past few episodes. Where, where's the nice Italian words? What are you trying to say? He's calling ass me face. ass. He's calling us ass faces. He's calling us all these other things. He, said my, he said my mom pisses in the street a few weeks ago. What the hell's going on here? What's going on? All right, let's move along. We had a lot to cover. Okay. Uh, the newest member of the FBI is Tracy Smothers. Smothers double-crossed Chris Chetty, has joined up with Tommy Rich and little Guido. So this is quite the crew wow. we got now. Jesus, God. Smothers, fresh off his run as Freddie Joe Floyd in the WF. So this is a step up for sure for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, there was a match in Boston with these guys, but and Spike Dudley. We're not going to see it, though, because Taz had other plans. We then see Taz marching to the ring, music blaring. He's destroys FBI, Chetty, and Spike with a suplex barrage. Taz calls out Sabu. Sabu obliges. And yet again, they start to fight before getting pulled apart. We cut backstage where Taz is there. He says, man has to know their limitations. But he has Sabu so pent up and so hot that Sabu's calling him out, and he loves it. He can taste April 13th. He can taste his blood and his scarred up body. Taz is Sabu's limitation. He can beat man after man, but on April 13th, he can't beat or hurt Taz. Back in the day, Sabu beat the Tasmaniac, but he was the underdog then. And they've come full circle. Sabu's the underdog now. And if Sabu doesn't realize it, he's a big schmuck. On April 13th, on 13th, on pay-per-view, <laughs> he's no longer the underdog. He's Sabu's limitation. It swears to him, Sabu better be ready. Because Taz is training his ass off. And if Sabu's not prepared, he'll kill him. He's no underdog. He can taste him. Again, Taz is ready. Fantastic work, both destroying everyone and his hard sell promo. He's been locked in. He's been carrying this feud on his back week after week. Uh, and this completely delivered, Jenny. It did. Um, yeah, I mean, Taz is very intense. Um, I can't help but sometimes laugh at him. Like when he gets in these moments, um, but I, and I just do it's I don't know I don't know why I think it just sometimes when he keeps saying I can taste you I can taste you I don't know something about it just threw me off, um, but you know just more more of Taz's um, unique brand of promo Matt. Yeah, uh, more great stuff from Taz here. I love that he says he's got Sabu pissed that now Sabu is calling him out. I thought that was a great line. And I, I love that they are mentioning that Sabu's beaten him before, but that was a different Taz. So they're acknowledging like the past when Taz was the Taz maniac. I thought that was that was a great touch. And, and you know, now that Taz is a different person, he's basically uh, going to try to kill Sabu. So, uh, yes, uh, Taz, very intense during this, as he has been really for the past 18 months since this whole thing kicked off. So, yeah, great stuff from Taz here. All right, uh, to our awards, best match, I think easily the Michinoko Pro six-man. Mm -hmm. Worst match, I went Sam and Balls. Um, I think so. Yeah, no, I wait. think I'm gonna... mm. Yeah, I had the same rating for both, but I think uh, one match had Windex and one didn't, so I'm yeah. going to go with Sandman, Balls, Mahoney. I'm going to go with Funk Rotten. Uh, best moment I went with Taz's promo. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't know. I think I'm going to go with the moment the crowd won got won over by the Japanese wrestlers. Uh, 
most nineties. I just went with the idea of Michinoko Pro Wrestling. That's yep. That's nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh Stock Rising, Dudley's Funk, the Michinoko guys, and Taz. I mean, I I'd make the argument you could put balls there again just because yeah. they literally had the same mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. True. And stock falling, I guess, with Axel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final grade. Step down from last week, but still really hot. Still so much mm-hmm. going on. That all-time classic with the Michinoka Pro match is buried in this random show. So I ended up going 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'm the same way. 7 yep. out of 10. Same. 7 out of 10. All right, let's cruise on. April 1st, 1997, we open with clips from Pittsburgh of Shane Douglas trying to rip the mask off the masked man as Lee and the Pitbulls are battling in the ring. Joey says Shane wants to prove the masked man is Rick Rude. We get our opening animation. Joey's in, in the nest. We're in the Golden Dome in Pittsburgh, a week away from the biggest weekend in ECW history. On April 12th, we'll have the Terry Funk Banquet. On April 13th, ECW's first ever pay-per-view. Shane Douglas is Pitbull 2 for the TV title. The masked man will reveal his identity. If Pitbull 2 loses, we'll see what Rick Rude looks like now, if it is him. We can get a rematch from what we just saw last week, the Michinoko Pro six-man tag. We have the Eliminators with the Dudleys for the tag titles. Richard, Sandman, Funk, winner facing Raven for the world title, and Taz versus Sabu. Joey tells the paying fans they better demand that their cable company carry this show. Raven's in the back. He says he knows Sandman wants to rip him open due to all his trauma, but there's things inside him with no remorse or compassion, things that can hurt and scar now and forever. High school must have seemed like forever as a shunned misfit like Stevie Richards, who has no family or friends. Raven knew kids like him, a constant gnawing agony of realization that nobody likes you. Raven knows what it feels like not to be invited to parties, but Raven escaped that mess alone while Stevie needed him to get out of it. Stevie will not survive the three-way dance as a result. So bring on Terry Funk. Wrestling is more young, virile men, not sickly old fools. References the footsteps parable and says on April 13th, God will not be there, but he'll carry and enable Funk through one of the greatest matches in history. He'll let him almost taste victory before taking it away. Funk will realize he can't win at all. It's just Raven tormenting and torturing and humiliating him. He starts to cry and compares Funk to his dad and says his last hope and dream was that Raven would be a failure like him. And when he ends Funk's quest and nullifies his career, defies the fans and forces Heyman and Gordon that Raven is the single greatest wrestler on the planet, he'll hurt his own father as well. He then delivers a poem. Just, God, a tremendous promo. Mm. Raven is on fire. We get more and more insight to his tortured past as we go. Um, Just all these guys are locked in, headed to a barely legal mat. I'm starting to think this Raven character is a little fucked up. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna put that out there. Uh, yeah, just amazing stuff. I love how he says, you know, he he looks into uh, uh, Funk's eyes and he sees the eyes of a broken man in the eyes of his father. I thought that was great. And, you know, it feels like uh, leading up to this, they were really focusing on like the whole Terry Funk Raven thing. But I like how Raven took the time and addressed everybody in the three-way dance mm-hmm. i mean he, sp- he spent most of his time talking about funk but i think it was good that he acknowledged you know this stuff with sandman the stuff with stevie I-, I thought that was really good and uh yeah uh, another uh fantastic promo for uh raven here jenny i think it's uh, it's, it's always interesting to me, <laughs> to me when a wrestler like empathizes with being a loser you know he just like he embraces that loserness um, but all he had was his physical and mental powers, though. Like, that's kind of a lot, Raven. You know, what do you mean? <laughs> but this was amazing. Um, 
the the visual the visuals that uh, Raven likes to bring up certainly are they're a little twisted, which I like. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't think that he really fears any of these guys. Um, or, or that he, I don't think he does, and I don't think he cares who wins. Mm. Um, they all have beef with them to some degree. Um, and I feel like he's probably prepared for either one of them to win. So this was really great, and he's in the zone. Um, but Joey, Joey will not stand for it. No, he says he has a lot of frat brothers like Raven with rough past and personal problems. But Raven doesn't just use interviews to cleanse his issues. He exploits the hardships to gain psychological advantages and has no justification to abusing Richard, Sandman, and Funk like he has. If Raven is already this messed in the head, he may be a broken, defeated man already. If it's just a game, Raven better watch out because it's dangerous. Brings us to tag team action as Raven teams with Shane Douglas <clears throat> to take on Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. The champ is in the ring on the doorstep of ECW's biggest night. Slinks in the corner as Douglas saunters out with Francine in his title. Big match here in the Golden Dome. Dreamer and Funk hit the ring during a break. We return to Funk and Shane getting us going. Funk smacks Douglas around, tries to get at Raven, but Francine and Shane keep him tied up. Raven tags in and gets into it on the mat with Tommy, but bails out and gets the ropes. Raven spits at Funk and tags Douglas, who gets to work on Funk with chops and strikes. Funk comes back with the left hand, sends Shane bailing. Shane returns and works, works over Tommy's arm with the divorce court. Tommy slugs back into control, gets two on a bulldog. Shane gets a mule kick, tags Raven. They work over Tommy. Tommy blocks a suplex, gets his own, and tags Funk. Raven slides away and tags Shane, who's not super thrilled to be coming right back in. Shane slugs away and kicks Funk to the floor, then flies into him with a Pescado. Tommy comes over and smacks Shane and shoots him into the steel, but Raven flies into him with a tope and all four brawl on the floor. Funk pile drives Shane on the floor just as Raven flies through a table as Tommy dodges him. Tommy shoots Raven through a broken table shard. Back inside, Funk gets a rude awakening on Shane as Tommy whips Raven through a busted <laughs> table. Shane whacks Tommy and Funk with a frying pan for near fall. Outside, Tommy crotches Shane on the railing, smashes him with a sign. Funk throws Raven into the fans as Douglas drags Tommy to the balcony, where Lee attacks and knocks Tommy down all the stairs, beats on him with trash cans until Funk makes a save and fights off Lee and Douglas. Funk gets a chair wrapped around his head and Raven shoves him in the ring and it's a spinning toehold. Funk punches the ref as Stevie shows up. Raven breaks the hold and attacks Stevie, but Stevie cracks him with a Stevie kick. Douglas hot shots Dreamer on the railing as Stevie kicks, hits a kick on Funk. Sandman comes in and canes Stevie and Funk to a big pop and chugs a beer. Raven and Stevie fight to the back as Shane works over Tommy and grabs Funk, but Funk blocks a suplex into a DDT. Francine makes a save. Beulah comes in. We get a cat fight. Tommy grabs Francine, but Shane saves and hits a belly to belly and covers. But Raven comes in, knocks Shane off, and covers for the win on Dreamer. Uh, solid match. There was a lot of walk brawling, a little clunky early. Uh, it was all about the final off-ramp to barely legal, though, to set up the big title match. And that worked well. I thought the finish was good, too. A lot of chaos at the top of the card right now with all these guys mixing and matching. Jenny went two and three quarters. Again, a pretty good match. Uh, and it sets the table for barely legal. It it sets a yet another table for barely legal, um, which is fine. I like this mm-hmm. quite a lot, too. Um, I like when they do these the weaving of all the storylines in a, like a cool match with stuff that happens a lot, you know, like we get these matches pretty often. Um, but it's annoying with all the little quick tags and shit in the beginning. Um, 
<laughs> like little bursts of wrestling. Oh, let's tag out. Um, but nobody really will Shane. Shane does actually pretty well in this. Um, but they're all pretty locked in. And I went three stars on this, Matt. I'm at three stars for this, too. I, I really liked how, again, we're just continuing the build for this main event, for this uh, three-way dance, rather, at uh, Barely Legal by getting everybody involved in this match and just having the match turn into uh, complete chaos, as is the norm in ECWs. So I thought it was good that they uh, did it here. And it's a, it's a, a good match to throw out there on a house show like this. It advanced the main event storyline pretty well and I, I think it made sense that dreamer eats the pin because he's not really involved in much of anything going into barely legal which is uh, a little weird to me but that's a whole other story so uh yeah uh, I, I thought this was fairly uh, fairly standard stuff so three stars for me all right we go right to our next match which is a three-way dance featuring our tag teams we have the dudley boys the eliminators and the gangsters uh, the champions and sign guy Dudley are in the ring as Joel Gertner gives a full, like a buffer treat intro. It's a great act they're developing into here. Uh, good heat on them as well. Joel, Joey says Gertner is the new clueless putz of ECW, not Stevie Richards anymore. This is a three-way dance with all the top tag teams. The Eliminators attack the champions at the bell. We get a back and forth slugfest from everyone. The Eliminators end up uh, laying out both with kicks. We go to a break. We come back. The gang says in the ring, Natural Born Killers is blasting. We're re they're wrecking shots, so, uh, wrecking shop with weapons. The crowd's rabid. The champs and New Jack brawl into the crowd as Cronus gets a power slam on Mustafa for two. Saturn flies off the top into Bubba on the floor. And Mustafa cracks Cronus with a weapon. Mustafa gets two on a Vader bomb as a bloody New Jack drags Devon into the ring. Mustafa is working over both eliminators, but Cronus gets two on a moonsault. We clip ahead to Mustafa getting a power slam on Cronus. Jack smashes Devon with a chair. Bubba gets a cutter on New Jack to eliminate the gangsters. We clip ahead to Saturn getting a springboard moonsault on Bubba to Cronus getting a somersault leg drop on Bubba. Sign Guy then trips Cronus, throws powder in his eyes, and the champs get the 3D, but Saturn saves. Saturn cleans up the champions with a flurry, including cutters of both champs. Sign Guy comes in and breaks a glass window over Saturn's head to ooze. Just nasty and crazy. Sign Guy stepping it up. Uh, Devon rolls over and covers for the win as the back of Saturn's head is bloodied. Kind of a mishmash with the clips. The rest is the usual walk brawl weapon stuff. The tag division is really boiling, though. The Dudleys have really elevated themselves into players. Uh, but I will say the gangsters feel left behind a bit for sure. I feel like at all times, this is one of the top teams in this division feels a little bit left behind. And this is them right now. Uh, the eliminators are the top challengers. Uh, so the gangsters are kind of just looking for something to do, but they don't really have like another team to feud with at the moment. So uh, Matt went two and a quarter on this. Uh, I went two and a half on this. I'm right there with you on the gangsters. They just, they, they feel, they almost feel kind of tacked on to this match, which mm. is a weird thing to say about one of your most popular tag teams. But you're right. I mean, they really don't have anybody to feud with. And it looks like they're probably not going to be involved on the pay-per-view, which is kind of a bummer. But I mean, I guess it kind of is what it is. Uh, sign guy uh, crushing a plate glass window over Saturn's head came out of nowhere. Holy shit. Uh, doing that on a fucking house show. Like that's, mm -hmm. That was fucking crazy. And then Saturn, the back of Saturn's head was a mess. Uh, a hell of a spot there. But, I mean, uh, outside of that, it was your fairly standard uh, uh, brawling stuff here. So, two and a half for me, Jenny. Sign guy out of nowhere. I was like, holy shit. That's my kind of spot. Uh, I don't know that we've seen a, plane, a pane of glass on the show yet as a weapon. So, another innovative thing that ECW is doing. 
Um, light tubes next, please. Um, I love Saturn in this match, shockingly. Mm -hmm. um, they're in green and black, which looks really, really fucking good. And who else would y'all like to see wrestle the gangsters? Like, I don't know if there's even any teams, are there? Like, yeah. right. even. We, we used to at least of, have, like, you know, as much as we maligned them, like the Bruise Brothers and other teams were yeah. around, yeah. but they're gone. I guess, like, I don't know, the like FBI could be the elevated FBI? up. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, maybe put together a team. Like, there may be a couple guys floating around. Like, right. we'll see what happens with Sandman when he's done. But, like, Sandman and Balls could be a fun team. You know, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, if Sandman's yeah. a little lost. Yeah, it just feels like there's no real fourth team right now. Right. Mm -hmm. There's three teams, and they're the third one right now. Yes. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe some more depth in that. I mean, tag. maybe Lee Candido, like you could do something with them. Yeah. The guys, you know. I guess you could um, the Pitbulls, but, but the Pitbulls have been so tied up with Shane. Maybe once that's done, you get them back mm -hmm. in the mix. Right. Well, if Gary Wolf can wrestle. Right, if he's assuming he's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was two and a half on it. All right, we stay in the ring. Right back to another match. Oh, we have a final tune-up for Sabu for Bailey Legal as he takes on Luis Piccoli. Candido's mm -hmm. in the booth. He's going to sling on. Joey says he has a partially torn bicep. Candido says he's not here to tell jokes. He wants to call the match. He's the best wrestler in the world. He takes Joey's glasses to put them on to show he's an intellectual. And both of them have <sighs> a blind, and they kind of stooge around a bit. Uh, Candido says this was his match for Sabu, but the injury now has him in the booth. He says he's been at WrestleMania and more pay-per-views than anyone else in ECW, which is probably accurate. Mm -hmm. We get some mat stuff to ease in before Sabu starts to fly a bit with some slingshot offense. Sabu ducks a charge. Louis flops to the floor. Sabu follows and stomps away, dumps him into the fans, and Sabu flies into him with a triple jump dive into the crowd. Louis gets a chair, fights his way back to the ring for a chair duel into a double leg takedown of Flurry, blocks a DVD. But Louis peppers him with a nasty back elbow and a spine buster for two. Louis gets a northern light suplex for two as he's fully in control now. Sabu floats out of a back suplex, has a spin kick and a springboard somersault leg drop for two. Sabu slams a chair on Louis and then hits a springboard Rana and springboard clothesline to knock Louis outside. Sabu tries a triple jump, but Louis shoves him back down. Sabu blocks a suplex to the floor, takes Louis inside with one. Sabu hits a springboard leg lariat, tries another, but Louis catches him and drops Sabu on the chair with a back suplex, but takes the ref out as well. Candido tells Louis to hit the treadmill as Louis blocks the triple jump with a chair shot and hits the DVD. Louis tries a second one in the rope so he can throw Sabu through the table, but Sabu blocks it. Taz shows up and plows into Louis, and both guys fly over the top. And Sabu goes to the table, perfectly executed. RVD comes out, throws the chair at Taz, but Taz throws it back at him. Sabu nails Taz. He falls into RVD with the chair. RVD winds at Sabu as Taz hooks the Taz mission on Spicoli and then leaves. Taz says no one's going to beat Sabu but him. Sabu gets a triple jump moonsault and pins Spicoli for the win. Uh, fun match. I thought Louis looked good again, going right at it with Sabu. He was in position to win before Taz showed up. Uh, they paced as well, too. The finish was well executed. It could have been a complex mess, but they hit it. Uh, and the finish was well done as you sprinkle a little more heat before the pay-per-view. So Jenny went two and three quarters. So this is a pretty good match. Kind of maybe one last tune-up for Sabu before we get to the big show. Sabu in his yellow pants looking very good. Um, mm -hmm. Spicoli looking very good as well. I really like this match. Um, the I, That DVD, I'm kind of a sucker for it. As much as I don't like a Bubba Cutter. 
Uh, Spicoli doing the DVD. I'm all right. Um, so Candido was a little bit annoying. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. How y'all feel? I think about it's that? just gimmick though, just to be right. like the whiny, all over the place manic guy. Like, yeah, I, I'm hit or miss with him. Like, I think there's times where he, he literally makes me laugh out loud, and then there's times where I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, like you're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't. I feel like there's not much middle ground <laughs> between the two with him, but um, right. yeah, it's just it's at least it's a character, it's something. That's true. Um, I love using the Taz mission, Taz mission on Louis, and uh, I like the end. So I went three stars, Matt. Uh, I, I went two and a half on this. I, I thought a uh, fairly uh, standard match here. I thought Sabu looked really good. Uh, like you, I, I love the finish. I love that, you know, Taz wants to be the one to hurt Sabu and he doesn't want anybody else to do it. So that makes perfect sense to me. So, uh, yeah, uh, f- I, I do think uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm wondering where they're going with Louie because, I mean, he came in and he was pretty hot, but mm-hmm. it feels like he's kind of fallen off really uh, since then. And I I don't know, like, did they bring him in for the sole purpose of putting guys over or they, are they going to actually like have him do something, you know? So I'm, I'll be curious to see if, uh, if he ends up, you know, going further than this and, you know, being more than just a guy who's there to put people over. But uh, yeah, as for the, I mean, it was a perfectly fine match. So two and a half for me. Is it Showing, like there too? Yeah, sure. No, I'm sorry. I was just thinking like, is it? Is it because of the pay-per-view? Like, is it everything else is on hold? Like, sort of, like, everything is to, like, service that and the big it's matches. Times, like, but the then big there's been times. I think so. But then there's times where it hasn't been. Like, balls kind of get over Sandman right before a subtle match. I feel like there's some stuff they're kind of burning for the future. But, yeah, I think this is such a big... Like, I guess we can't understate the pay-per-view, right? It's, like, such a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much is riding on it that I think they had to go all out in making this hit. So it was all hands on deck. They've been building to it for a while. It got pushed, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just they're setting up some stuff. But I think for, mainly they're just focused on that because it's such a big deal for them. Okay. Joe and Candido break down what we just saw. Taz comes in and tells Sabu he's the luckiest man in the world because he has Taz as an insurance policy for the next week. He'll make sure nothing happens to Sabu, including not getting hurt by some fat, out-of-shape sloth like Spicoli. He'll ensure <laughs> Sabu is 110%, and he has no excuses when he gets choked out. Candido rants and puffs up Taz and says Joey was talking Taz down all match. Taz tells Candido he appreciates that. If he ever needs a favor... And then just walks away as Candido fist pumps. This is a funny and maybe a small little nugget for the future, Matt. Like pocket this at the back of your mind at some point your candido comes calling for taz for his favor but i thought it was well done with candido kind of hanging joey out to dry right i i thought candido was great here as annoying as he may have been during the match i thought he was i thought he was fantastic here just throwing joey under the bus no uh, he he said everything i didn't say anything i was on your side just, just fucking fantastic and i love that taz basically says i want sabu at 100 percent and yes uh, I don't care what I have to do. It's going to happen. I want Sabu at his best so I can beat him at his best. So, yeah, I thought that was great, Jenny. It was. It was pretty good. Um, Sort of alarming to see Taz in that small space. (laughs) 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 We don't usually see him up there with Joey. So, Um, yeah, I enjoyed that, that a lot. And Candido was actually pretty good right there. 
All right, we get a graphic for Barely Legal. We hear Paul starting to um, narrate the director suddenly out of nowhere. Says to cut the video off the graphic. We go to Funk, uh, Terry Funk and Raven in the locker room. Funk sits on the floor and tells Raven he's an old bastard and has heartstrings and he loves his dad, unlike Raven. Raven's a wimpy little bastard that won't stand up on his feet because he doesn't have balls. Raven says he won't be baited to fight or get riled up, and Funk needs to win to face him. Raven cuts Funk off and starts screaming, but Funk tells him to shut up, and Raven starts banging the locker. He demands Funk to stand up. Funk keeps baiting and says Raven claims his dad molested him, but he's full of crap. Raven snaps and keeps kicking Funk into the locker, demanding him to get up and fight. Funk says, quote the Funker nevermore. He calls Raven a piece of shit. Raven attacks, and they brawl on the floor until we fade out. Uh, this is pretty well done. Raven finally loses control. Uh, Funk plays a little bit of mind games back to him, and we have a pretty good brawl at the end, which felt real, Jenny. So you talked about it. Is Raven mm-hmm. not scared of any of these guys? This this speaks otherwise, perhaps, that mm-hmm. he's maybe has Funk in his head a little bit, and Funk knew what cards and strings to pull to piss Raven off and finally get him to snap and get out of his um, mindset of, you know, being the instigator, not the instigated. Yeah, Funk played him perfectly. Just coming in and sitting down on the floor, like that little position of, mm-hmm. you know, anything can happen. I, like it's defenseless on Funk's part. And then, you know, Raven's like, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to mess with me. But he stands around and listens to yeah. everything that Funk has to say. This was really fucking good. This was like... This was like at a family reunion. Like when there, somebody comes over and like they start like fighting and you're just standing around <laughs> watching like this is awkward. Like it felt so real is what I mean. Like Funk using Raven's fucked up logic against him, calling him out on his bullshit. Um, and then Raven just absolutely losing it and stomping on Terry was when he snapped was just great. Like all of this was perfectly done. I love the setting. I love the beat down. Everything. This was excellent, Matt. Uh, this is the Terry Funk I love. Good yeah. lord, he was fantastic here. Starts off the promo by saying "Hello, asshole," just right off the gate. <laughs> Sits on the floor, calls himself an old bastard, calls Raven a whiny bastard. Uh, quote the Funker nevermore, you piece yeah. of shit. Popped me huge. Uh, God, this, this was fantastic. I, I love Funk just playing uh, Raven's mind games against him. Just uh, fantastic stuff. And the brawl was really good, too. <laughs> once, they, once they finally mm-hmm. started brawling and Funk's just slamming Raven's head into the locker. I thought it was, yeah, just an amazing segment here. All right, so that wraps up that episode. Let's quickly get through our awards. Uh, best match, I went with Sabu and Spicoli. Yep. I uh, I actually went with the tag there. Okay, I had worse match for that, but that's about, I mean, again, they're pretty much on par. Mm-hmm. Uh, best moment, I went, with, uh, I went with two. I went Saturn and Funk in the, I mean, Raven and Funk in the locker room, which was great. We just talked about it. Mm-hmm. And Saturn getting the glass busted over his head yes i like yeah that. yeah i went with the saturn spot most 90s and with candido's multicolored neon track jacket oh my god yep <laughs> good lord uh stock rising i went raven dudley's taz and funk mm. S- yeah. sign guy sign, sign guy. guy oh yeah sign guy yeah, i like that <laughs> Uh, stock falling us with the gangsters. Tough, tough night for them. Yeah. They kind of lost. Yep. All right, final grade. This felt right on par with our last episode, so I, I went seven out of ten on this one. Same. Yeah, me too. 
All right. Let's get to our final one of the night. Our go home for barely legal, April 8th, 1997. The pit bulls are in the back. They're talking about getting revenge on Shane Douglas and all the havoc he's brought to them, including Pitbull one's broken neck, all the pain he felt through the injuries and the rehab. This is all interspersed with various clips of the issues. We get a full footage of the masked man's arrival back in January, his involvement in all of this. Uh, this is well done. It recaps the feud clearly, builds the final batch of heat for Bill Eagle. Very long video package, but we are in the final days of hype here. Any quick thoughts on the, the Pitbulls video? I, it was... Look, Gary told a very <laughs> Grooney-like story, I thought... <laughs> Through this, like I get it, like he's in pain, his neck hurts. He doesn't really remember probably a lot of what happened. So, but he really does just sort of ramble for a long while. Um, I was, I don't know, I like him. So neck braces and chains was what they I haven't got to talk a lot really though in these final yeah. like mm-hmm. we've seen them, but they haven't really gotten their talking time. So I think that's why maybe they they let them kind of lead the way in this one. Yeah, Gary maybe he has some PTSD. He's, yeah, he's, he's been uh, a little bit. Well, he talks about putting the screws in his skull. It's like, my God, buddy. <laughs> I, I understand it was painful, but man, see somebody. Like, talk to somebody <laughs> about this. Christ. We could get a whole singles run on just, like, PTSD, Gary Wolf. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> if it goes back to foaming at the mouth backstage. With yeah, Jason. yeah, let's do that. All right, we get our opening animation. Joey Styles in the nest. He's pumped for the big weekend ahead. He thanks all the supporters. Says the detractor is about to be out of his supporters because the time has come and they're all going to enjoy this pay-per-view. Joey hypes the funk ceremony on Saturday. More seats have been made available. Sunday's barely legal. He runs down full card, which we know by now. We then cut to a fan cam from our final show before Bill Legal, where Pitbull 2 is wrestling Rob Van Dam, who barreled to the Pitbull 1 on the floor of the Somersault Centon. The match stops as officials checked on Pitbull 1 on the floor. Uh, while RVD just stood there, watched, and barked at the ref as Joey wonders if it was done on purpose. The match restarts at Pitbull 2, press-slammed RVD, and starts to cut through him. But Shane Douglas comes out, puts Pitbull 1 in a full Nelson as officials pull him off. Pitbull 2 makes a save. Again, I mean, it was great. Like, they... This feud has gone on for a long time, but it's still a ton of juice behind it. Yeah. Um, and they keep finding ways for Shane to torture this poor fucking guy. <laughs> the fuck with his neck even more. <laughs> like, just put just put Pitbull one in a full body cast at this point. Like, <laughs> Shane, he's gonna he's gonna eventually make his neck turn into dust. He's eventually gonna start going after other body parts. Just put him in a cast. <laughs> yeah, he's a disaster. <laughs> Shane's so fun. It's so crazy. Well, he's backstage with Francine. Shane says his goal is to change history, just like he did when he won the ECW title. We get clips of that night. We get uh, Fran and Shane bragging. Shane hypes barely legal, claiming to be the catalyst that got ECW to this point, and the glory of the moment is his. Shane talks about the dark days of ECW when he was in the locker room of entertainers. He saw ECW needed him back to take them to the promised land. He talks about taking Francine away and how this is who about who can play the star, and it's them. Whether you like or hate them, he then talks about how he'll take out Anthony Durante before he breaks Shane or Francine's necks because his career is not over. We're on the biggest day in ECW history, and history dictates that Pitbull 2 is just a footnote and an insignificant sidebar. So kind of the usual braggart Shane stuff here, another long segment, but again, really well done. Everyone's locked in on these feuds, and we're just trying to give the final hype for the pay-per-view. Yep, you said it just right, you know. he. I like them calling back on Shane's history, naming mm-hmm. ECW and everything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whatever whatever happens, that is true. That is what happened. And he, until he dies, he can say that he did that. So I have no problem with this promo. 
Nah. I, I thought Francine was good here too, where <laughs> uh, Shane at one point says that two could break Francine's neck like that. And Francine's just holding her neck and melting <laughs> my neck. My neck. <laughs> I thought that was great, but yeah, they, they spent a lot of time on the, the Shane Pitbulls feud during this first half of this episode, which I mean, they kind of had to, cause they really haven't spent that much time over the episodes we've talked mm-hmm. about, uh, about this feud. So it seems like they've kind of backloaded it all for the go home. So it's interesting. All right, the Dudleys are backstage. Devon says, the Dudleys don't rest on the seventh day. It's time for the Eliminators to testify on Sunday. Bubba asks how the Eliminators, how it feels to lose sleep at night, knowing they're not the best team in the world anymore, after the Dudleys took everything they had. And on Sunday, in front of the world, why do the Eliminators think this will be different? Sign guy shows a sign that says, total elimination, question mark. Joey's in the nest. He says they were in Queens last weekend and had a rematch of... The three-way dance between the Dullies, Gangsters, and Eliminators. We get fan cam footage of that three-way, including Joel Gertner's intros. We see clips of the match filled with weapons. We get the big Eliminator spots as they control everything we see. The Gangsters showed up with more weapons. A lot of violence ramping up. Things spilled into the crowd. New Jack went off the balcony as a Devon with a leg drop. Just a complete madman. We clip ahead as New Jack smacks Devon with a chair, dives off the top. Saturn kicks the chair into him. Bubba got a cutter on Mustafa. The gangsters are done. Clip again. It's all Eliminators pouring it on. Saturn gets tangled with Sign Guy. We get powder again. But this time Saturn ducks and the ref takes it. The Eliminators batter Bubba and hit total elimination, but the ref is down. So Devon uses a chair and rolls up Saturn to retain after more Sign Guy interference. And the Dudleys win again. The Eliminators grab Gertner, but uh, Sign Guy saves and ends up eating total elimination as a result. Seemed on par as last week. Uh, the Dudleys keep escaping and the, the gangsters kind of feel like afterthoughts. We then see the Eliminators backstage talking about Barely Legal and getting their titles back. Uh, basic warning promo. So, uh, Matt, what do you think of all this uh, tag team hype here as the final go home? Yeah, I, I thought everything they did here was uh, fairly standard stuff, but it was good. Uh, I, I thought that the the, uh, the three way dance looked very similar to the mm-hmm. one from the previous week, mm-hmm. uh, save for uh, you know there wasn't plate glass different windows finish, in the yeah. right mm-hmm. different finish, and there wasn't plate glass windows, so naturally this one is worse. There was a new Jack uh, balcony dive though, so that's always great. Uh, a leg drop, no less. Which, uh, good lord, uh, new Jack uh, does not have a tailbone anymore after that. But uh, yeah. Uh, Fairly standard stuff. Uh, I, I was uh, very distracted during the Eliminators promo by the Adidas tracksuits they were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not quite sure what they said. I'm sure it was great, great but I, I was too busy staring at the tracksuit, Jenny. Uh, yeah, those were awesome. Um, yeah, this looked almost exactly like the previous match. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm sure they were going around the house. House yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I figured too. I mean, standard stuff. You know, a guy just dives off the balcony. I mean, what do you want? Like two stars. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with that guy? He's out of his mind. God mm-hmm. damn! It was awesome though. All right, we get a hype video for Barely Legal. Joey in the nest hypes up Mishinoko Pro. Dreamers in the back. He says Sunday he'll make sure it's a night that Raven remembers and Funk never forgets. We get a hype video for Sabu versus Taz, and then we see Taz in his dojo. Says he's in his domain, his world, his house, and Sabu's just a visitor, a very welcome visitor. And on Sunday night at the arena on pay-per-view, he wants the old Sabu, the Sabu who used to know, that would give 150%, that has a heart the size of a lion, and that would fight him to the death and to the finish and to the end. He wants to be pushed, and he pleads and prays that old Sabu shows up. And when he does, he'll hit a wall 
and promise to beat him up, blow him up, stretch him, and choke him out. It'll be a war and a match that'll change your careers, and he loves it so much he can smell it, feel it, and taste it. He can't wait to have his hand raised in victory, look down at Sabu's sweaty, battered body, and he'll choke Sabu out because he has to choke him out. He's got no choice, and neither does Sabu. On Sunday night, two years of waiting and anger come to a crashing halt. It'll make Sabu feel like shit for making him wait. He has to do it. He'll choke Sabu out on the 13th. Just again, another awesome promo from Taz. He has carried this feud on his back, and he's ready to deliver. He's just crushed it in the ring and on the mic. This uh, this might have been the angriest Taz has been. Like he, uh, I feel like I say that at least once per episode, but like it, it's just the way he says things. Like he's just so angry and everything he says and the fact that he's he's in his dojo he's got the towel over his head he just he looks fucking incredible he says he's he's gonna choke sabu out he has to you know two years of anger and frustration comes to a halt just everything was fantastic i'll see you on the 13th sabu <laughs> yeah <laughs> great stuff i like how you, you can only see like his lips moving like mm-hmm. it's right. like very like annoying orange uh <laughs> effect anyway it was very good um and, and by god if this match isn't five stars i'm quitting this podcast so they, they just <laughs> got some hype to live up to in my mind well and ta- i mean I, taz to me has carried 85 percent of this feud i know the mystique of sabu is a big part of it but taz has done so much work to get this over mm-hmm. it's incredible Joey's in the nest. He says the clock is ticking. Sandman joins by satellite. Joey asks if there's a camaraderie between he, Stevie, and Funk that would prohibit them from fighting. Sandman just drinks a beer and stares at the camera. (laughs) Joey asks if he wins and faces Raven, what will he do? He faces the bear, slams the can, and stares. So he never talks. (laughs) Are we going to BWO hype? Bathroom, for whatever reason. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Probably from backstage. Yeah. We get a BWO hype video for Stevie. We then get Raven backstage. He says, in life, we make our own choices. Sometimes they're made for us. Sometimes there is no choice. He visited his old friend, a 117-year-old gypsy that tells fortunes. They sat down, and she went into trance and spoke gibberish. She made out the words fear and dreams and sang a song from his youth. And then he sings lyrics in the song Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> he remembers the day they took the ECW title away because he was in rehab for addiction. He was a junkie on methadone. Or, I'm sorry, a junkie on methadone walked over and asked Raven what he would be doing if he wasn't there. And it sunk in the pain and anguish of what it meant. One or two things in the life that he loved. And now he has three gunslingers coming for him. And he'll have to be Mr. Miracle to pull this off. Because they're all determined and hate. And they despise him and want the title more than anything else. And all that pain he has to suffer and torment and anguish make him feel alive. He feels his own pain and likes it. Just another great promo from Raven. The final cell is on. And we wrap up with Terry Funk on his farm. He's at his dad's grave. He gives one last talk about the nerves, heading into being illegal, dedicates the match to his dad. And we get a final slate asking us to join ECW on Sunday as we're officially at the doorstep. The hype is done. Really, all in all, this is almost like a preview show. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. It did its job. If you're on the fence, you're watching this, this is meant to sell you on all the big feuds. Everything's done. Um, Jenny, any thoughts on the final Raven promo and the wrap up here? Well, you know, it t- I feel like it takes a lot to out emo Raven. Uh, and mm. Terry Funk somehow manages <laughs> to pull that off by going to his daddy's graveyard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most extra thing I've ever fucking seen. So, I don't know. I kind of liked it. <laughs> what about you, Matt? 
I think uh, I think Funk can cuss Raven during that uh, that locker room brawl, which is why he thought he saw a 117 year old gypsy lady. You know, apparently her name was Stevie Nicks. But yeah, I thought that was great. And uh, the the Terry Funk segment was very un ECW like, like it was shot like all professionally and shit. Like, good Lord, pay-per-view money was coming in early. (laughs) That was so weird. I'm, I'm sorry, that was just <laughs> it was a little much. All right. Uh, so let's wrap this up. Obviously, no matches. Best moment, I went Douglas attacking people one again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to go with uh, the graveyard visit. I, I think I may have to go with Raven saying he visited a 117-year-old gypsy lady. <laughs> you don't believe him? I mean, Stevie Nicks isn't 117 years old. Sure. Feels like it, though. She's only on wow. the edge of 17, not 117. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Most 90s, I went the fan cam. Not much else going on in this one. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, yep. Stock rising, I went Douglas and Dudley's. And Funk. Mm-hmm. And Funk. Stock falling just to gangsters again. Yeah. Yeah. And then final grade, I just went five and a half out of ten. Um, you know, just it was just a, like I said, a preview show. It, it met its mark. Uh, but you know what? We had really three great episodes of TV, mm-hmm. and then this hype. I thought they really crushed this this set heading into Bailey Legal. Like, if you're a fan and you weren't sure, and you watched these four weeks of TV, like you had to be hard in. I would think. I mean, this is just they were they were definitely really peaking at the right time and we were concerned like we talked about it back in january when the pay-per-view got pushed could they keep it up and they crushed those final few weeks yep yeah i I went uh oh i'm sorry no go ahead i was just gonna say i went uh i went five out of ten on it 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 almost felt like you know when you go on the pay-per-view channel like the day of the pay-per-view and they air Mm -hmm. some sort of like half hour special thing Mm -hmm. all day like that's what this show kind of felt like to me so i mean it was perfectly fine for what it was but you know not the most exciting of episodes so five out of ten for me i um i did the six out of ten um just because i tend to enjoy preview shows and stuff a lot mm-hmm. so i don't know i think it's just it's just the sort of thing that i like to see and like you said i had that note too about um it, it looks like one of those videos that you see to get you ready for the show and mm-hmm. i don't think there's much more that we could do to be ready for this show. <laughs> right all right we're there in two we're weeks there. we'll be talking barely legal 1997 we've, we've made it we're there uh, listen, uh, this has been a long show, but there's tons of content to listen to across all of our family of podcast networks. But the North South Connection, which features the Jenny Physician every Wednesday. Also, Place Foundation Wrestling, Place Foundation Pop Experience. Matt's got multiple shows there. If you enjoyed this, if you enjoy deep dives, nerd level into old school and current day wrestling, this is the podcast network for you and the podcast network family for you as well. So subscribe, share, leave us a review. Uh, we appreciate all of the love. Matt, a scale of one to ten on barely legal hype. How how hyped are you to watch this and talk? Ooh, uh, the this grouping of episodes certainly helped. I was kind of lukewarm on it before this, but now I'm probably let's let's say eight. I'll go eight. Okay, Jenny. It's ten. Ten. Fucking All right, ten. ten out of ten. 
Nice. All right, I'll split it. I'll go nine. I'll go nine out of ten. I'm ready to watch. Ready to see if they deliver. Ready to see how barely legal they get. Everyone stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two weeks live on And I'm never gonna go. Welcome to paradise.